Hey there, welcome back to the Preacher's Kids Podcast, Living That PK Life. And today's episode is brought to you by The Greeter. You know the one who makes you scared to walk through the door? He's 10 years older than God, and his breath caused even the decorative plastic flowers to wilt. But come rain or snow, in sleet or sun, he will be handing out them bulletins. Here, you want one? Hey, today we've got PK comedian Jason Earls on the show, and I want to give you a little bit of a disclaimer. If you need to laugh and you need some encouragement, if you need to be uplifted today, this episode is for you. Uh, But if you're a Pharisee or a legalist, or you would be shocked and offended by the reading of scripture from the King James Version, you might want to wait until the next episode comes out. I'm telling you, it's going to be a great time today. So let's go. What's up, everybody? Welcome back to the PK Podcast, where that PK stands for Preacher's Kid, Not Perfect Kid. And speaking of not perfect, I've got my co-host Eli Blevins over here from Wilmington, North Carolina. What's up, Eli? I love that that's my intro, the not perfect the not perfect kid. What's up, everyone? Today's going to be a fun and funny and awesome, and I don't know any other adjectives, but just all of that today. It's going to be awesome. I genuinely have been looking forward to this episode. I think it's going to be one of my top five, if not number one, of the entire history of our podcast, because we've got a friend of mine, Jason Earls, on the show today. He is Israel Collective alumni, but he's PK family. And he's a third-generation PK. He's got a dad and a grandpa in the ministry. But I think what makes him near and dear to my heart is that he uh, really pursued God's calling into the ministry of making people laugh, which I think does more for most people than most sermons do. And he uh, he's doing some incredible, incredible things. And so as I started to binge watch everything of Jason's that I could find, I'm like, this guy has got to be on the show. So let me toss it back over to you, Eli. Yes, man. We are so stoked, Jason, to have you on. Hey, I just want to hear a little bit, tell our listeners, give us kind of like a 30,000 foot uh, explanation of your growing up as a pastor's kid. You got your granddad, you got your dad. What about your experience, man? Tell us about it. Oh, let me just say, first of all, I got the greatest or worst whipping of my life ever in church. I don't know if <laughs> like, you know, my just being, you know, my dad was the guy that could control us with his eyes. Mm. It just, you know, if we got to acting up from the pulpit, he'd just do that stare and it's like, okay, we done. Like, yeah, no more TV this week. I did already. But but the great thing is, man, my dad really had this, I didn't necessarily feel the pressure of having to be a certain way because of a preacher's kid. In fact, my dad actually told me that he one of his prayers was that God wouldn't allow him to pastor full time until after we were grown because he didn't want us to have to feel that stuff. Wow. Uh, but nevertheless, you know, more more is caught than was actually taught. So there are a lot of things that a lot of great things that I caught from watching my dad. But then just coming from this preacher's family that had this. Uh, I guess, prominence and reputation throughout the community that did come with some things that, let me say, one, it saved me from a lot. Well, let me not use save. It prevented me and kept me from doing a lot of dirt, more dirt than I did. <laughs> it's like, dude, <laughs> y'all know I can't go to this game drunk. Y'all know my mom and dad, like, they going to be there. They going to tell somebody who's going to be there. <laughs> 
but it also gave me a sense of uh man just a, a, of self-consciousness to like know that i represent something more than myself then uh then my life is more about uh not just about me but it's what the decisions that i make it affect other, it affects other people as well kind of that's kind of it i, I i've got to know some specifics because eli comes from the the non-denominational we're going to show the love of jesus to people background i come from the independent fundamental bible believing king james only bless god oh, you Baptist yes, background. <laughs> we're, yeah. we're baptist born baptist bred when we die we'll be baptist dead background where, where are you coming from jesus <laughs> Deep hey. sea, hide in the fountain sparkling like a fountain also fish and grace waving me yeah <laughs> so here's 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 the crazy thing for me so my my dad grew up in a fundamental I mean in a in a Pentecostal church, a relatively fundamental what a relatively conservative Pentecostal church. We left the Pentecostal church and jumped straight to the independent fundamentalist church. So it was like, man, we went from the party to like the uh I don't even know what you call it. To, we went from the the loud masses to the frozen chosen. Mm. And uh, but but I will say I, I learned a lot being part of my my fundamentalist church, and uh, I learned a lot of good, and I learned a lot of uh, legalism. That's what you call it. Come on, <laughs> I I affectionately call it Bible boot camp. I yeah, am thankful for everything that I learned, but I'm not sure that everything we did really applied to real life. Absolutely, bro. Absolutely, all facts right there. You said you got the worst whooping of your life in church, and I, I got to hear the story because some good here. That's so true. <laughs> that's so true for me. My dad, my grandfather, they could look down from the pulpit, and all they had to say was, and just listen. They just had to go, and you knew like life was over. <laughs> it was over. A, no, and, go ahead, go ahead. I'm sorry. Bro, I remember my dad stopping a sermon. It only happened one time. That was all it took. But he stopped a sermon and escorted one of my siblings out into the foyer. And as they're walking out, they're like, y'all pray for me. And uh, <laughs> we <laughs> we got to hear an, a demon being exercised from the lobby before he came back in to finish his sermon on hell. So I don't know if the Lord orchestrated that or if the demons were upset. But either way, oh, it happened. That's funny, brother. That is. It was an illustration. It wasn't real. It's was just a sermon illustration. <laughs> how did he start the sermon? Like, like, how did he restart the sermon? Anyway, like I was saying, mm. <laughs> dude. I don't know. With mine, I remember my mom not being at church that particular Sunday, and my dad, he was more of an associate at this point. And man, I just remember him giving us the look, and I remember, I remember having this sense of freedom that was instantly quenched and uh bro my dad took us to the fellowship hall because you know that's where you get a good whipping in the four-year or the fellowship hall mm -hmm. and dude i just remember like dude he took that belt off his from his from his suit pants man and was out i'm like man this one was different like all the, this one was different from all the weapons i felt i don't know if this one you know, this one was sanctified a little bit more. <laughs> <laughs> this was a tied whipping. I don't know what you call this one. But that bad boy, I never forgot that one. That's for sure. 
You know, that's what you miss out on, Eli, when you grow up in the non-denom world is the fellowship hall because there are ghosts from former choir members that walk the halls of the... There are dead deacons still haunting the fellowship hall. So when you get beat in the fellowship hall, it's a whole experience. It's the cloud of witnesses, brother. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, we didn't... Joke's on us. We never had our own church building, so... You, you didn't. You didn't get to have a fellowship hall or the old sanctuary, like the. Yes, the yeah, old no, no, sanctuary. No, no table with this do in remembrance of me on it. Mm-mm. No. <laughs> yeah. Hey, I I, I want to know. You stepped into the world of comedy, which, like I said on the front end, is really a ministry. I mean, no doubt. I want to tell you that it was just a few weeks ago that my father-in-law got to sit down and listen to some of the pre-release of your new show. And we were both in a place of just tremendous discouragement and exhaustion. And I have not laughed that hard in, I don't even know how long. And bro, when the Bible says that laughter is good, like a medicine, it just became really real for me. And I'm like, this, this was to me, what I hope sermons are to other people. So I just wanted to say thanks for that. Dude, that's, I'm going to tell you what's so big about what you just said to me is because I'm quite sure, I don't know if you've heard or, or if your father-in-law, if, if Sammy communicated to you, but dude, the bondage that I had to fight through to one, to tell these jokes and then to release it. Like that's, dude, that was, that was a huge undertaking for me. So to hear the fruits of that, how it helped you, bro, is a huge payoff, but also brings some understanding why I had to battle so much internally to release that bad boy. Man, absolutely. Well, hey, we're proud of you, first of all. Like, oh, it's not easy stepping into something. Uh, anytime you're stepping into something great like that, there's always going to be some pushback, as you know. Uh, so that, that, uh, that cloud of witnesses that that that, that uh, walk around in the fellowship hall, <laughs> they are mad right now because of this, dude. <laughs> like, and those are the voices that I kept listening to, like, yo, you can't tell these jokes. Like, nothing's wrong with them. Like, it's all with some with some biblical integrity, but it's just not the way that uh, it just doesn't come with the uh, the fair sickness. That, um, Absolutely. We like to uh, bring stuff with a lot of times. Hey, so a, a little bit about like what makes these jokes so different? Like, give us some backside. Give us some of the insights into into this. What makes them so different and just awesome for the church? I think it's hilarious that Eli, who hasn't heard your show yet, just said, "Give us the backside of these jokes." Um, <laughs> that was foreshadowing, <laughs> like he can't even understand yet. Uh, it was that right. was a setup. All right, so let, so let me let me give let me give some precursors here. So first, I just stepped down as the president of the Christian Comedy Association. I know y'all didn't even know that existed, but there is indeed an organization, a national organization of comedians, of Christian comedians, and I was the president of that group. And so, so man, I I sat at the leadership helm of comedians in the country. And one thing that I've always saw that was this organization does some great things. But like whenever you get any group of Christians together, uh, some crap is always gonna show itself. 
And so one of the things that I, I saw early on was that you had a bunch of comedians telling other comedians what was appropriate and not appropriate for churches. Hmm. And my thing was like, yo, that's, I grew up in a fundamentalist church and, and escaped. So dude, I know what legalism looks like. And uh, now I'm seeing that same idea, like people putting their own personal convictions on the massive group. And so if, if I want to say a joke about, if I want to make a joke about, let's say, the idea that there are people in this world and in churches with STDs, with sexually transmitted diseases, like, uh, yo, you can't talk about that. Like, why can't I? And that's why, Eli, dude, I'm now I'm getting on my soapbox now, dude. Y'all gonna <laughs> stop me. But that's why, and Christ, with Christian comedians, you would we would never see an A-list comedian. I, I've been saying this for a while now because the A-list comedians that we have, let's say the Dave Chappelle, the uh, the Jerry Seinfelds, and all those guys, they they go approach comedy with this level of authenticity that Christian comedians aren't necessarily afforded the opportunity. Now, afforded is the wrong word. But we have had great people like the Shonda Pierce, the Tim Hawkins, the Michael Juniors, the Anita Winfro, the, um, you know, the John Chris, all those folks. I don't know if I can say his name right now, but <laughs> we got all these people <laughs> who, <laughs> who hit <laughs> certain points in there, a, a high level of comedy who come from our Christian camp. But in comparison to, I hate to use the comparison to like secular comedy, but the numbers don't even come close. Hmm. The idea there is like secular comedy comes with this level of, I'm going to tell it like it is, tell it like I see it. And that's the perspective. Uh, Derek Minor said this when we were on the Israel Collective trip. He said, Christians don't create art for the sake of creating art, the artistic expression. We create art to be right. In other mm. words, when we're creating our art, we're creating it trying to make sure it's this certain way so that this group accepts it. Wow. And that's not how you do art. And dude, I've been doing comedy for 21 years under the vein of let me tell these jokes so that I, I'm a church dude. I'm a preacher's kid. I can walk and you can walk into church within 30 seconds of being in that church and know what's appropriate and not appropriate for that particular denomination, for that particular church, which is oh, yeah. great on one hand. On the other hand, what it does is on a deeper level, it makes, it made me a people pleaser. Hmm. I know what pleases this particular group of people. So let me tell this particular group, uh, these jokes that, that will make this event or me showing up here as a comedian successful. And that's not what makes great comedy. No. That's not what makes great art. So Eli, these seven jokes are jokes that I've written some 20 years ago that I've not said, I've been afraid to say because of what my tribe would say. And I said, forget it. I'm gonna talk about all this stuff.
That's right. That's awesome. Hey, and we commend you for, for doing that too. Thanks. So like, you're proud of me? You commend me for what else you got for me, bro? Come on. <laughs> <laughs> Lay encouragement on me, Eli. <laughs> Eli's go. like the world's biggest encourager. Um, yeah. And that's why, that's why I love him. That's why I love having him in my corner. You hit on something that I wish every PK understood, and I think I think if every PK would get it, they could maybe influence their parents in the right way, that uh, there is an art to preaching. There's an art to teaching. There's an art to worship leading. All of this is art that God has specifically created people to function in, and yet, man, I've been so freaking guilty of walking into a church and going, I'm going to preach this sermon because I know it's going to get more amens here. I'm going to, I'm going to sing this song because, uh, and I'm not going to do this one because there's three sister Karens sitting in the back row together as part of the Baptist red hat society who were going to be upset and they're not going to tithe if I do this here. And yes, sir. Maybe the church is missing out on, all of the creativity and variety that God wants to give us because so many of us are trying to please people that will never be pleased. Come on, dude. That is it. And, and, and when you look at Jesus, Jesus Jesus said, man, forget it. Y'all think it should be this way since y'all been here, since the foundations of the earth, y'all think it's supposed to go this way. And I'm saying, no. In fact, that's how y'all missed who I am because it didn't come through the vein that you all wanted it to. Okay, so how did you start to make this uh, transition, or what are some of the things that you're seeing that you're going, oh, I want, I wanted to talk about that, and I'm finally talking about it now. I want to know how you made that jump. Dude, one, it was I was talking to a pastor, and and he was he was asking how I was doing with comments. I'm traveling. I said, man, I'm frustrated. He said, why are you frustrated? He said, I said, man, because I got these jokes I can't tell. I've done the focus on the family. I've done this. I've done all those. But I still feel like I'm not being true to some stuff that God's placed inside of me. And he was like, you can tell the jokes at my church. And I was like, really? But then I did. Um, I, I was invited to do the donor retreat for one of the popular family organizations in the country that we listen to on the radio. So this retreat that they bring some people in who basically uh, contribute a significant amount to keep the, who get, when you know on the radio, when you, hey, hey, we received a matching grant. If we get 20,000 or, you know, $200,000 or $100,000, we have a matching grant. I go the match the people who give the grants hmm. yep. for them. and I was like yo I know audiences and I know that this audience who they don't want to be tickled they don't want their ears tickled with some comedy and I'm like man I need to tell this stuff that I want to tell and this is very risky because this is a national organization that could that could ruin my comedy career and dude I did it I said some of these jokes and these folks were bent over on the over on the tables laughing. So that's I'm like, okay, I can tell them. But then Dave Chappelle came out with this comedy special called Sticks and Stones. 
And in Sticks and Stones, he started talking about how everybody's trying to uh, muzzle comedians, mm-hmm. tell comedians what they can't say. And he took, man, he addressed some issues socially that that the world is saying you can't talk about. Dave Chappelle talked about these things. Certain members of the communities came after Dave Chappelle, like, yo, you can't talk about the LGBT stuff. You can't talk about, you can't laugh and joke. And that, and and the world came to Dave Chappelle's defense. And when that happened, I was like, I was convicted because I was like, you were supposed to do this first. Hmm. Like I recorded mine. Here's the deal. I recorded mine two years ago and have sat on it and taken my time, edited it, procrastinated because of all this. And then the last year, Dave Chappelle's deal came out and I was like, yep, you sitting in fear, bro. And the mm. body of Christ is not doing part of what they're supposed to do because you sitting on this comedy special. Wow. So I've listened to the comedy special and it's getting ready to release on June 12th. Yes. And if you're watching this, you can look at the caption. If you're listening to this, you can swipe up and see the show notes, click the link and go go get this special because as a preacher's kid, I'm listening to your special through my PK filter. And I am immediately transported to the age of six where my dad has just finished preaching a Wednesday night sermon on hell. And he went into the church building and cranked up the the heat in the middle of summer to like 90 degrees yeah. so that people would be sweating while he was preaching. And his sermon was the five most asked questions about hell. And if you're a note taker, you wrote down what the hell, when the hell, why the hell, who the hell, and where the hell. And he answered every single one of those questions. And so... <laughs> As some folks from the church come over to our house the next day to help us pack and move into another house, something happens, and six-year-old John says, what the hell? And and I was beat for it. I was beat within an inch of my life for it, and I'm going, I thought this was the sermon. I was just repeating, I was just repeating the message. Dude, it's it's stuff like that. Yeah, like so my granddad was preaching. Of course, King James Version, mm. and he reads Numbers 22, and it has about 15 ass references. Yes. And I'm like, yo, like he's saying ass, you know, and I'm laughing and getting in trouble because the Bible says ass. <laughs> so when I'm Eli, so when I'm reading, I'm reading this, I'm reading the Bible to my kids. And I can't find my 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 regular Bibles. Like I got a lot of Bibles in my house, but I couldn't find any of my updated versions. So I grabbed my King James version, and I'm reading through Genesis with my kids. And it wrote it said Abraham rose up early in the morning and saddled his ass. And my kids like, Dad, you can't say that. <laughs> Come on. And I'm like, no, I'm, y'all, I'm just reading the Bible. Look, it says ass right here. Which made me, I, I, I went and studied. It's, you know, so I do have a seminary background as well. So I went and studied, man, like how many times is ass in the Bible? Take a guess. How many times do you think that word is in the Bible, Eli? 45 times. 
No, sir. 86 times. <laughs> 86 <laughs> times. 86 times in 76 verses. Let's go. That's that, a lot. That's a lot of ass right there. That's There's a lot <laughs> of ass right there. <laughs> and so, so in the process, in the process of studying this, I, I really started not just looking at how many times that word was in the Bible, but of course, the word of God is active, is living, is sharp. Right. You know, y'all know, I'm not going to quote Bible verses, but <laughs> here's the reality. Like the Lord started speaking to me in these 76 verses. Hmm. And I started, I was like, man, these are some good sermons. Absolutely. And I was like, man, if I was to put these in a series of sermons, it would be called good ass sermons good ass sermons you know i was at summer camp one year at our independent king james only summer camp and the camp director was preaching about uh, man i can't remember the passage i think it's in jeremiah where the city of jerusalem is shut up and they're eating their children and I, i'm not sure why he thought this was good for junior camp but the uh the title of the sermon was ass head and dove dung soup because that's all that they had to eat. And I'm sitting there, I'm like eight or nine and I'm going, I don't get it. I don't, I don't get it. I don't know what to do with this ass head and dove dung soup. You're remembering it though. Look at you. you still remember for 20 years later. <laughs> so many jokes right there, but I'm going to spare. Like I'm not even going to go. <laughs> You know, but I will say that as a preacher's kid, whenever you go home and you have to hear the stories of all the ridiculousness that happened on that day with church people, because church people are crazy, my life verse became Second Peter chapter 2, verse 16. And just the Lord continues to use this verse to speak to me even now. Um where the Bible says in the King James, but was rebuked for his iniquity, the dumbass speaking with a man's voice forbade the madness of the prophet. And there are just a lot of dumbasses speaking in the Bible and a lot of dumbasses speaking today. And Amen. I don't know what to do with them. Amen. Yeah, it's so, it's so many verses like that. With that word, man, I look at, you know, there's one passage where there was this, this, this new prophet, this young prophet was gone. Uh, and then you had the old prophet who was called the man of God. And uh, he came, he heard that the new prophet was in town and he went to see him. But God told the new prophet, hey man, don't, don't go anywhere. Like as soon as you go prophesy, go straight back home. Well, the old prophet heard about it and was like, hey man, come to my house. Young prophet says, God told me not to take me and my ass, go back home. <laughs> so he never he winds up listening to the old prophet and went to his house they had some wine got a little tipsy and the spirit of the lord showed up and the old prophet prophesied as the lord lives you would not make it back home so he left home because you didn't listen to me he waited back home he, he was headed back home and the scriptures say that a lion came out and tore you know ripped him up Killed him, of course, and the lion was standing there in the street with the ass. <laughs> and so I've written one of the messages. I call it the lion ass conversation. Mm. 
when somebody lies to you to try to manipulate you to do something and you do it and you suffer consequences, mm. you need to stop the lying ass conversation. Oh. In their tracks. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Cause, because then like the, so the old man had to come back and put the, put his, put the man's body on the ass and uh, bury it. So the, the, his ass didn't make it back home either. Nope. When you listen, well, when you partake in those lion ass conversations, your ass is going to be in a mess. It's going to be <laughs> tore up. <laughs> oh, that's so this is why, uh, this is why you need the backstory of things, right? <laughs> Bring this into the PK context for us, you know, as we kind of tie up this episode and put a nice little bow on top of it. You know, you come from, you're a third generation PK. Yeah. And we all, and almost every episode, one of the things that every PK will say is people are like, oh, you're going to be in ministry too. You're going to be in ministry too. But you made this transition from the typical to something way different. And so you had to have been a trip as a kid. Like you had to have been in so much trouble all the time. But that's that's my guess. But like, how did you make that switch from, oh, I'm doing what everybody's always done to let me do something way out of the box? Do it. So it was one. I was I was observant. I was a, I was a pretty good kid. I didn't get in a lot of trouble. Part of the reason because I was scared to get in trouble. There's a theme there. Uh, fear. So mm-hmm. you know, fear kept me out from getting a lot of trouble. And so I kept a lot of stuff inside. But then once I got into middle school, I noticed that I was naturally funny. And like I have an older brother who's very intelligent. An athlete, both my brother and my dad were basketball players. I I can't hoop. In fact, dude, one time I went to a community center and, and four Asian dudes picked me up as being, you know, on their squad. And they came to me like, what are we going to run? We going to run zone? I'm like, dude, y'all are so racist, man. Why what makes y'all think black people don't know how to play basketball? <laughs> but I say that to say, Man, there were certain things that I just hadn't been good at a lot of things, but I noticed that I was really good at making people laugh. And like so on my on my tour, my comedy tour, I typically say the phrase like this: God didn't give everybody everything, he gave everybody something. Mm. And God wants to use your something to make his name great. And you're different from anybody else. So, and when my dad, when I first started feeling the nudge to get into ministry. One thing my dad told me is like, dude, God doesn't need another Robert Earls. He doesn't need another James Earls. He doesn't need another Rayfield Clay. He doesn't need another Tony Evans. He doesn't need any of these guys. He wants, he wants you to be your unique self. Hmm. And, That's and I, good. Took, I took that. Now my dad got frustrated when I really literally took it. <laughs> like that. Yeah. I'm not doing the ministry thing. Like you want me to. But I got to do it like, like you said, like God's giving me this gift and I'm going to use it. And, Absolutely. Uh, and I just, I just started really praying. So if, if I'm speaking to the PKs, I would just say, man, look at what it is that you do well. Ask God to show you what it, what it is that you do well and how you can use it to glorify him, make his name great. And for people to experience joy when a bird flies. 
the bird is joyful. A bird doesn't get up in the morning like, oh crap, I gotta fly today. Mm. When a lion gets up, he does like, oh crap, I gotta go hunt today. I gotta go roar. No, they, man, that stuff brings them to a place of joy because they're operating in their natural bent in which God made them for. And when I tell jokes, it's like a bird flying, it's like a lion roaring. And uh, it's what I gotta do. And so find what that thing is. Yeah, that's good. That's good. There's so much in there. That's like a whole like message. We could have a whole church service with that right there. Oh, we did. We just had church. That, that on, was it. Somebody. That was hey, church. Hey, hey. So that's right. My granddad would say it like this. I don't know if you can cue up the uh, the hammond for me. I don't know. If I, I got you. Yeah. <laughs> and what you gotta and what you gotta understand. <laughs> All of us are created. Yeah, it's not working. Yeah, the white dude's playing the organ right now. White dude's playing the organ on an app, no less. <laughs> <laughs> that's our sponsor for the day. Right. <laughs> yeah, but so so that's man, and that for me, telling these jokes is me like not flying in, in a little aviary. Like you know, yeah. when you go to the zoo and they got that little 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 area where you go in, close the door real quick, and the birds fly. Yep. That's been my comedy career. Mm. It's kind of like I've been flying, but I've still been in captivity as mm. I've been flying. And so now I've taken the shackles off and say, you know what? I'm crucifying the Pharisee. Mm. Uh, That's right. And so what I what I used to say. Man, the Pharisees are preventing me from telling these jokes, but I realized it wasn't the Pharisees that I see. It was the Pharisee within me that was preventing mm. And so That's good. Yeah, so I'm like, yo, I'm, I'm flying now. So on fly, June, baby, fly. Yeah, on June 12th, I'm flying. That's John right. seen it already. John seen where I go. And I think he can, he would assure some people might get fearful, like, oh, has Jason Earls lost it? Has he become shipwrecked in telling these seven jokes? No, in fact, I think the boat just got some more gas. Mm. Mm. I love it, man. You're going to soar. You're going to fly. I can't wait. I know that uh, I know everyone listening today, man, you guys are going to have to go in there and listen to this, watch this. Uh, Jason is just absolutely, we got the organ going, but it's going to be great. Hey, I always got to be the old. I'm, I'm going to give this my best shot as, I, as I'm going to say, hey, if you're out there listening and there's some things that you're afraid you can't do in church, that you need to go pick up the seven jokes yeah. that I didn't know I could tell in church by Jason Earls coming out on June number 12th. Praise. <laughs> Come on. Oh, that's so good. That was good. Hey, um, real quick before you leave, uh, just kind of tell the PKs listening, give them a quick word um, about some things that they just may be struggling with, how they can overcome that, um, especially when it comes to things they can't do in church, things they can't say, or some of the legalistic things. Give them like a little bit of encouragement for whenever it does come to some of those legalistic things. And so just like you, they can soar and fly on their own as well. And also, as well as being respectful and honoring as well, because you've been nothing but honoring every single step of the way. And I thank God as using that as well to be able to let you soar and fly. Yeah, so man, I, so here, here's what y'all got to understand. Like, 
captivity yep. is creativity's best friend. Mm. <laughs> yes, sir. <laughs> so in other words, man, there's certain things like you might feel like you're in captivity right now because of the limitations that's placed inside of you. But I want you to know that in the midst of you feeling like you're captive, God is setting you up for creativity. Uh, so look at look at how you find joy in the midst of whatever the limitations you feel like is being placed on you. Uh, and, and find ways that that resonate with you. Like the like the kid sitting at the table has a sheet of paper. Now they can color all over the sheet of paper, but somehow these lines that are drawn in curves and, and, and squares, whatever, make this certain thing that they color it within. And when they color here, even though you go outside the lines a little bit, it's it's that structure that actually makes this pretty picture. Right. So what I'm telling you is that the limitations oftentimes the things that we can't do if you learn how to be joyful and honoring God internally, then ultimately you look at the outside and you um you see this create this beautiful picture will be made. So that's man, good. Yeah, that's a hey, good word. Men, amen. <laughs> I love it. Swipe up into the show notes and click the link so that you can get a copy of Seven Jokes I Couldn't Tell in Church by our friend Jason Earls. If you're uh, checking this out on Instagram, click his username and go give him a follow. You are going to enjoy everything that Jason Earls is putting out there. And I want to challenge you, hey, parents that are uh, closet listeners to the PK podcast, get a hold of this and watch it with your family and laugh together and enjoy some levity in an otherwise super heavy life. And PKs, if you've got some parents that uh, have been like ours in the past who are dealing with a lot of things and struggling and you want to be an influence on them, go get this show and watch it together. And I promise it's going to be a pivotal moment in your ministry that you're going to look back on and go, that's where it turned around. I say this because I mean it, because I believe it. Seven Jokes I Couldn't Tell in Church by Jason Earls. Jason, thanks for being on the show today with us. We love you, bro. Thanks for having me, fellas. Yes, yes, yes. Hey, that's all for today on the PK Podcast. I hope you enjoyed this episode. And if you did, swipe up in the show notes and send Nathan a message let him know. Don't forget to follow us on Instagram at Those Preachers Kids. And most of all, thank you for rating and reviewing the podcast that helps us engage with so many more PKs around the country, just like you. In the infamous words of our favorite theologian, Bob the Tomato, God made you special and he loves you very much. We'll see you again soon.